I'm Sam Kelly, and this is Threads of Commonality, where we lift the veil on the world issues that unite us like a thread weaving us together, keeping the conversations going that are vital to the health of our planet, animals, and our collective well-being. Meet everyday people making a difference in their communities. Learn about what unites us and discover ways to change the world. Together, we are powerful. Real conversations with real people. All right. Welcome to Threads of Commonality. I'm your host, Sam Kelly. My guest today is Andy Mele. Andy has a master's degree in environmental science, concentrated in environmental economics and policy. He's author of Polluting for Pleasure, the book that led directly to the extinction of 12 million two-cycle outboard motors, ending discharges equivalent to five times the Exxon Valdez oil spills each year into American waterways. He was executive director of Clearwater, the Hudson River Environmental Group formed by folk singer Pete Seeger in 1966. And he won the 30-year battle with General Electric over its massive PCB spill in the Hudson. He was recently executive director of Suncoast Waterkeeper, working for protection of coastal ecosystems to halt phosphate strip mining and untrammeled development in Florida, and to bring red tide back to pre-developmental levels. He is currently running for the Florida House in District 71. And Andy, that's quite a resume, quite a background. Um, Welcome to Threads of Commonality. I'm really glad to have you here. Thanks. Glad to be here. Just a little bit about how we met. So I kind of got involved with the water movement a few years ago, and you're a big deal here in Florida with the water movement. And I'm that's why I'm honored to have you on the show, but also uh, just connecting with you over the past few years in this fight for water quality has been very significant and impactful. So um, it's it's been wonderful to know you so far, and I'm just really glad to have connected with you. And, and I appreciate all the work you've done um, both here and you know from before you moved to Florida so it seems like wherever you go you're you're doing everything you can to make a difference so I'm grateful for that yeah well it's a it's I'm a driven person Um, I I think I'm still trying to please my parents you know it's that's one of those Freudian things and (laughs) they're both gone and I'm still trying to please them and trying to make them proud it's a pathetic thing but you know no it's like you know I cannot conceive of a life where I'm not trying to move the ball forward, where I'm not, you know, evolution takes place uh, in, in, in humans, uh, in cognition. The whole term meme that's been completely co-opted by Facebook, meme is an actual technical evolutionary term for uh, describing units of evolution, which are cognitive, which are just like things that somebody's thought of that, that move the needle, you know, and, and so uh, I, I keep trying to move the needle. I, I'm compelled to. I love it. it. It drives me. It makes me whole. It gets me through the day and gives me a sense of purpose. I, I feel the same way. And I saw a meme once, uh, or it could be just a quote separate from a meme, but it says, uh, activism is the rent I pay for living on this planet. And I, I, I love that because I, I myself am very driven. I don't know if I'm trying to please someone or if I'm just trying to, you know, make, make a difference, but it, it doesn't matter. You know, we're all working for a good purpose. And, and yes, to your point, we can move that needle forward when, when we work together and when we put ourselves out there, which is exactly what you're doing. Uh, so you're, I, I want to talk to you. I, I do want to talk to you about all these 
amazing things you've done. But I want to start with your run for office because um, that's what you're what you're doing right now. You're running for the Florida House District 71, which, from what I understand, is kind of Northwest Sarasota Bradenton. Or can you can you help me understand what District 71 is? It's Manatee County, west of uh, US 41, uh, including Palmetto and Terracia, parts of that right up to the right up to the Tampa Bay, actually. Uh, crossing over the Manatee River uh, from the uh, the not the Green Bridge but the Eastern the, the big bridge that's US 41 and 301 combined. Uh, it's all the way out to the Barrier Islands. It's Anna Maria, Lo uh, Longboat Key, uh, Lido Key, uh, Bird Key, and down into the very you know a little shaving of the northern tip of uh, Siesta Key, which is fun because Siesta Key has been my second home for like 40 years. And so, um, and it, it has a it has a, a little sort of a gerrymandered looking bump that in, that includes most of downtown Sarasota, and then it goes up uh, the shoreline of Sarasota Bay, just west of US 41. It's a little narrow sliver, including Indian Beach and uh, Sapphire Shores and, and that area. So that's uh, it's it's a nice district. It's a district that I'm very comfortable in. I've been a resident there for like 12 years. Running for a political office is a huge deal, um, and it it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time, and and it's not this job, you know, that everybody's seeking because it pays a lot of money. And I mean, it is it's a lot of work, and you get beat up in the process. Yeah, the pay sucks, right? So what? Why are you running? I mean, what what compelled you to do this? Yeah, well, I've always had a little bit of a thing about running for office. I almost went for Congress in 2006. Three guys and I had a meeting in my kitchen. We called it the kitchen cabinet, you know, and we nominated my, my friend John Hall to run instead because he was six foot four, baritone voice, uh, rock star, all that kind of stuff. And Bob Elliott and I looked at each other and we're like, yeah, yeah, him. And, and so uh, I worked on his campaign for a while and it, and it was, it was ugly, just, <laughs> just working on somebody's campaign. But um, anyhow, that, that all died down. He won, won two terms. Um, but we, um, all right, so we had the red tide, the apocalyptic red tide, not my term. It was dozens of people referred to it as apocalyptic in German accents, French accents, British accents, Thai accents, Chinese, Japanese, you know, apocalyptic kept coming up because we were walking, we we're just stunned, all of us standing on the beaches in that district, looking out at, at, at the death, just, just, it was unbelievable. You know, there's still some scenes that I recall that, that can actually like bring tears to my eyes. Like, uh, you know, I just, it was, it was horrible. And so I was like, okay, now the legislature is going to do something about it. So they got to their session in uh, 2019 and uh, did nothing. And then they, in the last session in 2020, they did nothing again. They did one teeny little bit of something. You know, I was talking to uh, Kay Mathers, who is Margaret Good's political person. And I'm like, how can you possibly vote for these lousy, stinking bills they come up with? This is absolutely, utterly dominated by the Republicans. The Republicans have a stranglehold on the House. And she said, look, it's, it's about whether you would rather go home and tell people that you opposed everything they were doing and just voted no on everything because there's a case to be made for that because they're all lousy bills. Or if you would like to come back to your constituency 
and say, I got this little bitty thing. Anyhow, but the point is there was a couple of little bitty things in the, the so-called Clean Waterways Act, but it was garbage. It was all gar it was all rhetoric, words, all icing and no cake. And it's not going to make any difference in, you know, if the same set of variables, big rain, uh, all the nutrients are there. They're ready to come over the top. If Lake O starts to overflow, the Corps of Engineers still is required by law to let it go. Uh, we're we're going to be right in the same boat again. And the cure is so obvious to, to you know, it's, of course, yes. Don't talk tides. about the cure yet. All right, all right, talk right. about so, the cure sorry, in the next I'm, segment. I'm, <laughs> so, anyhow, the, you know, so I'm sitting here seething about that, you know, for about the last six months. And uh, a guy from uh, from the Florida Dems called me up and sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, you want to go? And I said, yes. It just was like that. And that's all. It's just like sheer and utter frustration. I know the district. I know the odds. There's 9,000 more Republicans than there are Democrats. And so uh, I still think I can do it. I still think people will recognize that I'm the water guy and that I can do this. All right, Andy, so you're running for Florida House District 71. You've got a tough road ahead of you, but the reason you're running is for all the right reasons. Uh, your dedication to the environment, as well as your history for protecting the environment. And that's, you, we started talking about red tide and, and 2018, the devastating, the apocalyptic, you're right, apocalyptic red tide. And that's actually what, what got me involved in environmental issues really here in Florida. And it, it left a lot of us wondering what our government's doing. You know, I, I know when, when you, saw millions of animals dead washing up on the beach. It was every day. And every day you'd go out and you would see this on the news. I mean, sea turtles, massive sea turtles, uh, dolphins, a whale shark. And it was like with every wave of dead animals, you were left thinking, surely somebody's going to do something. Okay, surely somebody's going to do something now. Wait a minute. Now someone has to do something. And I just came to the realization that it's we, the people that have to do something. It, it, we have to stand up for our ecosystems, not just for the marine animals, but for our economy, because our economy is intricately tied to healthy ecosystems. So with that said, I want to hear from you on what this Clean Waterways Act had and didn't have and what you think is the cure and how is that going to be part of your campaign and your time in office? You know, one of the things about the apocalyptic red tide was, for me, one of the most striking uh, things was watching about 100 feet of um, Kalanectes sapidissima, blue crabs, lined up right at the waterline on Palmasola Bay South. And I've since heard that these, were, these, these blue crabs were seen doing this all over, all over the region. And they were just lined up there getting ready to commit suicide rather than stand another minute in that water because it was so toxic. And, they, you know, they were like, should I go? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I stay? And the, the beaches were littered with horseshoe crabs and the carcasses of other blue crabs. It was just unbelievable. We were, I think there's a lot of people, anybody who has anything to do with the water is still somewhat traumatized by, by that. And so 
you know, yeah, the, the, the Florida legislature did absolutely nothing. They, they're one thing I've learned uh, running against uh, Will Robinson is that they're, they're devoted to the conservative agenda, not the people. They don't care about the people. The people are a means to an end. The people are, are these two-legged creatures to be manipulated and, and propagandized, but not in any way to be served to their collective benefit. It's all about the conservative agenda. Uh, and so, so that's what you've been getting, uh, the conservative agenda, lip service to the environment and nothing else. The Clean Waterways Act was, uh, you know, there's, there's some, I guess, some sort of initiative in there to start cleaning up uh, wastewater treatment plants and infrastructure. I don't know how much I, I, you know, I looked at it, the words, the wording of the bill is so squishy and so weaselly. It, I honestly don't know, you know, by the time they get through the regulatory process on it, there's no telling what will be left, but it, it ain't going to be much. What needs to be done is controlling nutrient pollution. It's dead bone simple. Um, control nutrient, nutrients are nitrogen and phosphorus. Those are the, you know, if you add those into coastal waters or fresh waters, you create miracle grow for uh, blue-green algae, and the blue-green algae become uh, an incredible stimulus when they come down and hit the salt water and die uh, as food, for releasing all these nutrients as food. They become, the blue-green algae were, were basically a vehicle for transporting the nutrients down from Laco into the coastal waters. We also had going, here for instance in Sarasota Bay, um, a billion gallon uh, sewage spill that had been going on for six or eight years. Uh, and that was right through the whole thick of the red tide, feeding the organisms, making them stronger, making the, the bloom more intense, uh, of longer duration, and of greater extent. Those three factors. Yes, it's a naturally occurring organism, as Michael Crosby of Moat Marine Laboratories was always saying, as if, as if you know, by saying so, he could just wash his hands of the whole thing. Like, that's what he was saying. I'm not responsible. Yeah, that, that phrase, it's naturally reoccurring, infuriates me as an educator because it confuses the general public. And to your point, it allows people to wipe their hands clean of the issue. Is red tide natural? Absolutely. Yes, it is. But they're exploiting that phrase, overgeneralizing it. And if the general public really knew that it is natural, but in manageable numbers, when we're feeding it nutrients, which are ret which are like steroids for this organism, that's when we get these apocalyptic blooms that are entirely preventable if we put the correct measures in place and and stop feeding the algae. As you know, Crosby's a PhD, or at least supposedly is a PhD, and he uh, he he's he's guilty of of faulty nomenclature, faulty attribution. He's calling uh, Karenia brevis the organism. He's lumping it in together with the red tide. The red tide is a phenomenon caused by an, a, a, a bloom of Karenia brevis. Karenia brevis is the naturally occurring organism. Red tide is the condition that happens when they bloom. The red tide is, uh, has been around, yeah, it's been around for a long, long, long time, but the minute we started to get development here, which is why I keep talking about bringing it back to pre-development levels by managing the flow of pollutants out of stormwater, even out of uh, atmospheric uh, deposition, 
you know, we have to start filtering our stormwater and processing it. And, and for all that Sarasota County was dumping sewage, they also are way ahead of us in terms of processing stormwater. They're doing a great job. John Ryan, the stormwater guy at Sarasota County, deserves all sorts of kudos for the work he's doing. He's leading the way. And so, you know, when I get to Tallahassee, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to form an environmental consortium or caucus in the legislature. And, and we're going to just start forming a, a, an opposition, a resistance to what this stuff, what, what these, these people are doing. Maybe even a couple of Republicans will come in. Who knows? It's the sort of thing that should not be partisan. You're right. The economy is nonpartisan. So protecting ecosystems and the economy should be nonpartisan, right? You would think. The environment is the economy, especially in the coastal waters, in the coast, in the coastlands of Florida. The, the environment and the economy are synonymous. In fact, they do come from the same Greek root word, oikos, which means household. So, um, so yeah, that's the first thing I'm going to do. I got a whole set of of, of uh, legislation I want to pass. It's on my website. If, may I plug my website? Absolutely. Let's hear it. Okay. It's uh, Andy Mele for FL House, A-N-D-Y-M-E-L-E-F-O-R-F-L House.com. So that, that contains, uh, right now, all I've got is a legislative agenda for all I've got is a legislative agenda for environmental stuff. I'm working on a set of policies for COVID-19 because uh, our surveys of voters have showed that overwhelmingly COVID-19 is their number one concern and followed closely by healthcare. And so I gotta be there for that. You know, I gotta, you know, apply the same ethics and science and principles uh, that I apply to everything else in my life to, to things that I'm not altogether familiar with. The first thing to do is listen to people. Mm -hmm. And all three of those are connected. You can't separate all three of those because COVID originated from what we're doing with the ecosystems and the environment and you need healthcare to care for yourself with COVID. So it's all, all three are connected. And, and, you know, the whole umbrella is public health. Um, I, I'm going to call for a mapping of the Florida aquifer. So next time there's a sinkhole at Mosaic, uh, we know where it's going to go and how fast it'll, how long it'll take to get there. There are people up there near who live near the gyp stacks and the fertilizer plants who are sick, very sick. They, I call it the phosphate syndrome. Uh, they need to be mapped and studied without bias. Uh, it, you know, out-of-state universities should come in and do epidemiology because the in-state universities are too corrupted by Mosaic's money and the, the politicians there, are, including my opponent, are taking money from Mosaic, which is arguably the most stunning, unbelievable polluter and destroyer of, 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 of native Florida landscape ever imaginable. I mean, in the long term, of course, it's going to be the developers uh, who, are, who are, you know, stripping more land, but, you know, at least they only go down a f few inches Mosaic goes down 40, 50, 60 feet. They bring up all this radioactive soil. These lands are radioactive. They're dead. They have no soil structure. Uh, they have no earthworms. They have no, no nutrients in them, good nutrients. And the lands are just worthless. And, 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 you know, eventually some grass will grow and they start pushing cattle out there and they have to rotate the cattle off every six months. Otherwise their teeth. Another thing I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to try to uh, um, change the, um, the re reclamation law. The reclamation law just basically calls for backfilling the mines, uh, the strip mines. There's nothing about uh, restoring soil characteristics, restoring natural 
uh, uh, you know, plant communities, natural animal communities. They just, all they got to do is plant some grass and the FDEP gives them a kiss and waves goodbye. Uh, it's, it's intolerable. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for 50% actual full restoration right down to putting the radioactive soils back down in the bottom and, uh, and creating soil characteristics that are original and, um, and yeah, actually, uh, you know, bringing back natural native plant and animal communities. And if we care, if we truly care about children, shouldn't this be a priority? I mean, Caring about the well-being of children is nonpartisan, just like the economy is nonpartisan or should be nonpartisan. But I would say both political parties care about children or claim to care about children. So isn't it time for all of us to put our money where our mouth is and start actually protecting these areas for generations to come? Absolutely. The thing is, Mosaic has this uh, propaganda arm that convinces people that it's, they're already doing that. So it's, um, it's going to be a tough sell. The other, the other like major, major, major thing I want to do is repeal the Burt Harris Act. The Burt Harris Act is the uh, Takings Act for Florida. Communities, counties cannot develop or limit develop. They can't develop the way they want to because the developers will just threaten to sue them, invoking the Burt Harris Act. Just happened out in East Sarasota County. It was in the paper yesterday. Mm-hmm. It happens over and over and over again. Um, and when County, the citizens are silenced, right? The, the citizens themselves are silenced by yep. developers, limiting even just the power of the people. And they invoke the Burt Harris Act uh, because it's there. And it essentially, yeah, it does eliminate citizens' voice. It, it prevents counties from... Uh, from stopping one kind of development and maybe promoting another. It's just, uh, it's the worst thing in the world. So that's going to be another tough sell, but it's home rule, man. Conservatives and Republicans are, have always stood behind home rule until, of course, it was inconvenient for their, their donor class. And so, um, but, you know, there's a powerful argument to be said for that Reclamation Act, uh, you know, invoking children and the whole public health side of it. And then, uh, and then, you know, what about home rule people? You know, there's, and, and of course, they also trampled on home rule with the preemption bill that prevents communities from banning single-use plastic crap. So that all, you know, just making sure that Florida does its fair share of pollutant into the Pacific gyre, you know, for the next couple of centuries. It's outrageous. You know, after having been an activist on the outside for 25 years, uh, and having gone through time after time after time of seeing uh, a, a legal uh, initiative supported by statute, uh, just thwarted by corrupt politicians, they take money from corporations, they're corrupt. I haven't taken a dime from any corporation, not even a mom and pop business. I could use a little of that. So you're people funded, people powered, people funded. And you're the second candidate I've I've had on this podcast. And, and I, I will not have corporate funded candidates on here. I'm not gonna give them a platform for having a voice. Um, I'm very adamant about representing people, the citizens, the people's voice. And so I'm glad that you are people powered, people funded. Okay, so my question to you is how how has your background, and you've got quite a, a rich, deep and diverse background, how, is your background going to enable you to be successful in this role? And, and what are those victories that you're going to take with you into office? There's nobody in Tallahassee who has 
the training, the education, the background, and the experience that I do with environmental things. What you have is lawyers, whatever, who profess to be environmentalists, but don't know the nuts and bolts of it. They don't know the science. They don't know. They don't have the depth of experience. They don't know the statute. They don't know the federal laws. They barely they don't even know the state laws. Um, they just have a sort of a cartoonish, um, broad brush kind of image of oh, the FDEP, Department of Environmental Protection. They protect the environment. They don't know how incredibly nuanced it is because they don't protect the environment. Like most of these environmental agencies that were born in the 70s, they are actually there just to manage environmental concerns and issue permits. So just like boom, boom, rubber stamp, boom, boom. It's a permit shop and it's not protecting anybody. So, so what we have to do is we have to um, depoliticize the agencies. We have to give them a good a sense of their mission again and fund them so that they can have the appropriate um, enforcement arm, but also to create laws, statute, that they can then enforce. What, what, what the Clean Waterways Act did not do, it did not create numeric water quality standards for either nitrogen or phosphorus or chlorophyll A. Those are the three biggies that are, uh, that are you know, chlorophyll A is basically a, a signal, but uh, nitrogen and phosphorus are, are the, the causes of uh, algae blooms, harmful algae blooms, they're nutrients. And they're, um, they're uh, the, 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 about 75% of the nitrogen and phosphorus that goes into, for instance, Lake Okeechobee, which is, which is the big inciting incident, uh, the source essentially of the last red tide, um, about 75% of that comes from big ag. And we're not talking big sugar because big sugar, you know, water doesn't flow uphill. Big sugar is downhill. Uh, they used to pump stuff up into Lake O, but that's done. That's over. So as much as we all loathe big sugar for their other practices, that's not part of it. However, there's, you know, tons, uncountable tons of legacy pollutants in the sediment at the bottom of Lake O from big sugar and other. anyhow. So you got to just, what, what Rick Scott did was he, um, he just wiped out and the, with the legislature, they wiped out uh, the last of the, uh, of the numeric water quality standards and substituted for ag um, a priority on best management practices or BMPs. And since, uh, since Scott, uh, the, the minute that was done, the the flow of nutrients quadrupled and the immediate result was that red tide uh, and so it's the causation couldn't be more clear so we have to we have to put in numeric water quality standards we have to give them you know give reinvigorate their enforcement mandate and and hold their feet to the fire the, the you know the, the water authorities are all politicized it's just it's appalling. It's irresponsible and it's unconscionable. The whole state is in a water crisis. The, the springs are turning brown and uh, the water flows and water minimum, maximum water levels are, are just all fouled up. Uh, all the, all the, it's not just the, you know, the, the Kissimmee River going down to Lake O and not just the coastal, uh, uh, ecos uh, you know, coastal waters. It's, it's everywhere, every tributary, every, you know, the state has a, uh, a classification of, of waters. There's outstanding Florida waters, there's impaired waters, 
and and what their waters are impaired for is very telling. But probably half of our outstanding Florida waters are also impaired now. Impaired primarily with sewage. And to your point, you're talking about regulations. And with Rick Scott and decades of, of leadership, these restrictions, specifically water quality standards, were laxed or, or removed. And there's, there's this whole argument against um, government regulations and in favor of a free market, you know, letting the market determine the practices and that the market will guide the environmental protections because, and I'm just saying what the argument is now, so that, that there's this free market and that the consumer will make the best choices and they'll support businesses doing the right thing. Well, in a perfect world, that sounds great. But when you have the end consumer not knowing what's causing all of this pollution. They don't see these corporations and these industries doing the polluting because the industries control the narrative. Then you don't have consumers making the right decisions because they don't have access to the information. So that makes a free or a, a you know, free market system moot. It, it, it can't operate when the end consumer doesn't know how to make the right choices because the information is hidden from them. So you need government regulations. You are completely right. Here's the deal. Uh, markets are efficient uh, in the presence of perfect information and perfect competition. All the, 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 the economic models that they study in Harvard Business School and every place else uh, are based upon all these theoretical things. They, they, you know, they assume, okay, perfect competition, uh, you know, and uh, and perfect information, and then they just go on from there out, out, out into the most arcane distributions of, of numbers and everything, uh, just unbelievably complicated stuff. But right, get down to the bit, there is no perfect information because everybody does their damnedest to conceal information, whether it's in the advertising of a corporation or in, or in how a, a, a law is framed to protect something like the phosphate industry. Uh, and uh, as far as perfect competition, that's a joke. There is no such thing as perfect competition. Therefore, by definition, markets are in a constant state of failure, which is why they have to have regulation in order to level things out. You know, anybody who's in business understands that if there is regulation and it's not too onerous, everybody has to adhere to the same set of regs and therefore there's a level playing field and it's you know reasonably fair uh but what what the conservative agenda has done is just upended all that thing and and you know going right back to citizens united this horrendously uh, uh just abominable supreme court ruling that uh, basically freed up the uh, created all these dark money packs and unleashed the uh, the power of dark money into our politics and, and essentially created a, a politics of by and for the people with the most money. Um, it's it's uh, it's just it's catastrophic. It's just warped and distorted our markets. The market there's a tremendous amount of power in the markets, a power for good. Uh, the other thing they studied in Harvard Business School was uh, this thing that uh, Adam Smith said in The Wealth of Nations, 1776, <laughs> the same year as the Declaration of Independence. Um, he had this idea called the invisible hand. And he said, you know, the, 
the, the way markets are and the way human interests, self-interested, people are always going to act in their self-interest. The price of an object will encompass all of its many variables for good or bad or ill. And, and uh, the, the consumer will be wise enough to know whether he wants to buy the thing or not buy the thing. And so, so they have the, so now they're all, they all just believe that any, anytime a dollar changes hands because of the invisible hand, it's, perfect. It's, it's good. You know, if, if somebody gets cancer and has to go spend hundred thousand dollars in hospitals, that's good. It's good for the economy. Uh, the, the, the way we measure our wealth, uh, gross domestic product, uh, everything gets thrown into the bag, no matter how bad it is. Yeah. And I think what's most insidious is that it's presented as what's it's presented as being based on freedom. And that is a trigger word. Freedom, that is something that holds so much value and and is to the core, represents just life in general to Americans. And that's what's most frustrating about all this attack on government regulations is that it's based, it's being presented, the, the propaganda is presenting it as an attack on freedom. When in the end, the everyday people should have the freedom to the rights to life a quality life, a, a healthy ecosystem, um, you know, clean air, all the things that sustain life on this planet. And, and instead, we've got an attack on regulations under the guise of freedom, which in the end is only going to hurt the end consumer, the end person. What is your favorite, either favorite memory of being outside or your favorite place? I have so many favorite memories. The favorite thing is really tough for me, but I'll give you one. Uh, soon after I got out of the Navy, I, I, uh, I was back home and, and uh, I, was, uh, I, I got a, a little 14-foot cat boat, a little sailboat with a single mast and a single sail it stepped up wet right in the bow of the boat and i was out on one summer day with very little wind and with my jeans rolled up and my my leg trailing over the side and the the uh the the the, the sail would just sort of billow out a little bit and pick up the main sheet you know the line that you pull on to control the sail and it would rise up out of the water and drops would fall off it and these little round you know, ripply things would slowly drift past the side of the cat boat and, uh, and then it would drip into the water and tow through the water and then it would pull up again. And I'm just going along like this, heading south on the Hudson River. And around the corner down south of me, this little triangle of white appears. And then the triangle of white got larger and larger and larger and larger until it was higher than the, the shore. And I was like, man, that's the clear water. And it kept coming. The clear water was the, the 100, 110-foot uh, replica of a Hudson River sloop that I ultimately wound up doing a bunch of shipwright work for when I was a, in my boat building years and then ultimately became uh, executive director for. Uh, but, you know, then it, it kept coming around the point. And the, the, that triangle that got higher than the, than the shoreline was just the jib. <laughs> and following that was this massive mainsail. And I, my breath was just taken away. I was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, you know, and it was like, uh, it was really something. So, uh, you know, I was totally hooked. I immediately joined. I've been, you know, part of that organization ever since. 
How can how can people get involved in your campaign? How can they find out more? And and what do you need from uh, people to help you with your campaign? Uh, thanks for asking. I need well, first of all, I need people to just go to the campaign website and snoop around. We also have a Facebook page. You can find it. Just uh, look for Andy Melee for Florida House. And and I'm a mad believer in mailers and yard signs. And so I got to get mailers are ferociously expensive. They're like a buck a pop or, you know, 60 cents a pop. And you got to crank out tens of thousands of them. So there's that. I also need volunteers, people to phone bank and people to walk to people's houses to join those precincts and, uh, and do the so-called lit drops or the drop and go. You know, there's all these little terms that have just popped up since and and that just to verify would be um, Sarasota, so downtown Sarasota, right, and and west of forty one, as well as Bradenton. That's your district. That's where you need people walking. So if anybody's listening that's in that area, visit your website, check out your Facebook page, and and sign up and, and put a yard sign in their yard. Please and yeah, send money and and just and or sign up to volunteer or both. Uh, again, the website is Andy May A N D Y M E L E F O R F L House. It's Andy Melee for Florida House. Just once you get it, it's real simple and easy to remember. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. There's so much more we have to talk about, so we'll save that for next time. But in the meantime, best of luck in your campaign, and I will definitely put all of your contact information in the blog post. And I wish you the best of luck. Florida definitely needs an environmental warrior like you. That wraps up this episode of Threads of Commonality. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found some common threads and enjoyed listening. Please remember to click the subscribe button, share, and find us at threadsofcommonality.com. I'm your host, Sam Kelly. Remember to keep the conversations going.